I may have messed something up. Again, I need some more slack. Something happened. Oh, that's what, all right, cool. Hey, did I break it? You ever see the, uh, my big fat Greek wedding when she went clink like that? That was almost what I did, so sorry about that. <laughs> well, good morning, New City Church. How we doing? Hey, my offspring's leading worship again. What? Come on. Welcome back, Morgan. We love you. We miss you, girl. And Daniel, the man, as always, thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. Awesome. Great stuff again uh, this morning. I appreciate that, man. You know, it's a little bit different because I'm in the cage today. And so um, I can hear people talking and worshiping, like sometimes through song. And you guys actually had uh, had some had some good stuff going in here, man. I tell you what's good. It's good. So I t- took my um, uh, earphones off after at, toward the end when we were when Morgan was praying and it's trying to wind it down. I could hear you guys still singing. So really neat. Uh, welcome to New City Church. I uh, got some uh, you know, new people in today and uh, folks that uh, I think I've met everybody that that came in. So that's really cool. Kind of a neat small world today. Um, if you you guys, uh, I've got a buddy of mine named Price. Uh, he's been uh, kind of visiting with us a little bit, and uh, we talked to him. Uh, he's you know praying about some stuff about how to get involved with New City and that kind of thing. But his wife Erica comes in, and she's buddies with Morgan. I'm like, this is I'm out. I'm tapped out, man. I'm crap. Like, guys, just guys, just guys, just yeah, so neat, so really cool. So uh, really cool stuff that God's uh, God's putting together, and just uh, like He can't tell. Yeah, it's just wild. This has actually been one of my favorite weeks of all time as pastor at New City Church, man. I, like I have had a blast this week. If you guys don't know, we just had uh, like all kinds of things going on. Uh, well, really, last couple weeks, you guys had uh, J- uh, missionaries to Japan. Yup, yup, right. Raise it up, raise it up. Um, these actually, these guys actually uh, lead our youth too. Kyle, Kyle uh, and Michaela are our, our youth leaders, and um, and you got got Savannah. And where's Cunningham? Did he sleep in? Oh, what, dude? Call all the Cunninghams. And they worked hard this week. Uh, whatever. <laughs> They're probably still having to deal with the uh, the, the the fallout from the uh, uh, the party we had on Wednesday. Which I'll tell you about here. What's that? Oh yeah, yeah. He's here, man. That's right. He said, no excuses. Somebody go call him right now, man. We got to call him out. But anyway, man, so it's fun. But this has been one of the most fun weeks. So you guys get back. You maniacs get home like at 1230 from Japan, get home at 3, get up at 8, go to super summer camp this past week, right, with all of our youth and stuff. And all the youth are like, well, that's such a good t-. What's that? I don't recommend doing <laughs> But it's over now. It's kind of one of those, one of these, back in 2018, we did something really stupid. <laughs> but nothing bad happened. God protected you anyway. So it was really cool. And uh, it was just great stuff. So we had Super Summer this week. We had a group of missionaries that came from uh, Oklahoma that stayed here at this facility. At our, right, stayed in the basement and everything like that. We actually have showers here. I was telling somebody this morning, if you know of any missionaries that need a place to stay, because they could go to Lawrence if they wanted to do mission work. They could go to downtown Kansas City, which is only 35 minutes away. I mean, it's just kind of wild. We have showers here and places for people to stay. So if anybody ever has any need like that, we'd love to provide that. But we did that this week with a group of uh, folks, and they actually uh, went and they uh, uh, gutted out our new Loma Vista campus, man. Like it was, uh, you would not believe the work that got done. We thought maybe a third of that would get done. And after the first day, we're like, oh, we got to find something to do. So we went and got paint and, you know, that kind of thing. It was pretty wild. But uh, Stephanie, thank you so much for cooking dinners for them and taking care of them. 
uh, that kind of thing. Uh, it, was so, it was so neat because, Stephanie, you grew up doing mission work like that. And you're like, I've never been on this side of it before. So it was, so was kind of cool for you, uh, too, and it was neat. But you took great, great care of them. A lot of people did. And so on Tuesday night, we actually had them not only uh, working at, Loma, at the Loma Vista campus, which, by the way, uh, all the paperwork and everything has been signed. Like, all of it is done. We, uh, we just, got that, just got that completed. It's the only thing that's going to be done now is uh, just uh, recording with uh, the deed with the Jackson County Office of whatever we got to do that with. And the attorneys and title people, they do all that stuff. So, uh, we're out. so everything's done. And as of the, at that happening, the uh, Loma Vista campus is officially part of the new city, um, new city property. So it is new city property, which is amazing. You know, very similar story to what happened here in Edgerton was, you know, it had gone to about seven people. I think it's about 15 or 20 people at the Loma, at Loma Vista now. And just as this property was given to us free of charge, so is that one. And God is just moving in some great ways and doing some really neat things. And man, we just, like it was truly miraculous, all the things that we got done at the camp, at the Loma Vista campus. And here in Edgerton, man, we actually uh, served on thir- on Tuesday night at the July 3rd um, party at, yeah, for the fireworks party. We gave out a thousand ice creams. We gave out all kinds of, all kinds of uh, uh, cool sunglasses and stuff like that. And man, I'm telling you what, like, like we got really good conversations. I've had people, because we've done something silly at Frontier Days or done some, you know, Macarena, which I've already apologized for the video. Uh, we do all those kinds of things uh, at the block parties, and we, we serve the community in different ways. We go to Wellsville and serve. We go to Eudora and serve. If you got, you know, Baldwin City and those kinds of things, anything that we do like that, we do those things so that people can be introduced not to New City Church and not so that people could come and give and serve and attend and that kind of thing, but so that God can be glorified. And some people have actually been saved because of a water gun fight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just crazy. But uh, we, why do we do those kinds of things? It's so that God is glorified. And he was on Tuesday night. We had, you know, it was about 1,500 people, somebody told me. And I've gotten two emails from city officials. One's from Mayor Don, who uh, who just really appreciated everything that we that we did and serving and that kind of thing. And then one from, the, if you guys don't know, uh, Becca, um, uh, oh gosh, Maddie Becker, I'm sorry. Maddie Becker, she's the um, uh, Parks and Recs director, and she just said, I just want to thank you guys for everything you do for our city because it's just it's just wonderful. And so to get that kind of stuff, man, in, like it's, just, it's heartwarming, but to see people saved, baptized, and discipled is amazing because of a silly game that we play or, a, or hot dogs that we serve or ice creams that we give out or, you know, anything like that. So it's just a, a amen. Amen. It's just a lot of fun, man. And this has just been amazing. And then I think the apex of the week was Wednesday night when we got the cops called on us. I'm just saying, all right? You know, it's not a party to the cops show up, right? But we did get the cops called on us. Actually, it was at the, uh, it wasn't really uh, on us. So Seven Sons Trucking, which is Elder Mitch's company, they put on a crazy fireworks show, which is amazing. Like, like, it was awesome, right? Well, there was a little fire. And so, you know, just a little one right next to the interstate. Somebody got panicked. It was already out by the time the police came. So it was kind of neat to see the police come, the fire trucks come, the the fireworks sort of stop for a second. And they were like, well, they're going to stick around. Let's give them a show. So they started the fireworks back up again. It's just like, I was like, wow. It was just terrific, man. But, uh, but we had a lot of those uh, things. So it was neat to have missionaries from Oklahoma, probably about, you know, 200 of us or 250 folks there at the at the party too it really really was a neat time and man if you 
Guys, I'm telling you, so it's a sweet, sweet time for our church as the church grows not only spiritually and numerically here in Edgerton, but uh, but in our as as we start uh, reaching folks in, in folks like Raytown and places like Raytown and on, on the Missouri side as well. You know, Shawnee's doing great. Miriam's just launched in 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 March, and it's a sweet, sweet time for our church and the way that God is building His kingdom. Amen. And so it's really, really it's just a just a, a fun a fun week. So, um, man, just uh, rejoice with me, if you will, and uh, and, we, and like I said, I just it's been one of my favorite weeks that we've had, and we just coming off this whole, and we really are still in the in the middle of the summer of service. We're serving a lot, have taken a lot of a lot of opportunities to serve, as the city has some opportunities, uh, we're taking opportunities to serve and do community events and that kind of thing. Man, we want to always continue to do those kinds of things, and we'll have per- periods like we have right now where we're doing a lot. Sometimes we'll do a, do uh, you know a smaller amount. But man, we never want to forget that we are here to reach those who need the Lord and here to help those who have who have taken the Lord's gift to help them to grow into spiritual maturity. And this whole idea of uh, what we just came off of, of, of loving your neighborhood and loving the neighborhood um, is really kind of can can kind of piggyback and, and really uh, fall into this series that we've got called got what did Jesus mean and the series that we have is called what did Jesus mean uh, I did not realize because I'm online quite a bit and social media and people send me a meme online and that kind of thing that not everybody knows what a meme is like I had the sign out there some of the Oklahoma folks were like what's a may may you know I'm like I uh didn't, didn't even think, honestly, I didn't think about it. You know, it's like, and then here's what's bad. It's like, they asked me, so what's a meme? And I don't know how to explain it. Like, I, so I literally had to Google what a meme is and say, uh, a meme is, you know, so I to read off what Google said a meme is. Well, basically a meme is a picture that has something maybe thought-provoking, something funny, something, uh, you know, whatever. And it's something, so, I, so here's an example of one that's a kind of a Christian meme. It says, uh, so I was like, I'm the son of God. And, and they were like, no way. And I was like, Yahweh, right? <laughs> All right so that's kind of, a, kind of a funny one. But, you know, it's, it's sort of thought-provoking. Now, here, here, keep that in mind. Did everybody get some blank index cards with you? Everybody get one. If you did not get one, raise your hand. We'll give one out to you. But here's what we want to do. I want you to look at this picture, and I want you to write down what a meme for that picture what that picture would be. Write down what that would be. Some of you are like, yes. Some of you are like, I still don't know what to do. I still don't get it. It's just fine. Um, here's what, maybe this will, uh, some of these memes here will help you. If you've ever looked at the hashtag of things Jesus never said or things, or, you know, there's a Facebook pro, uh, page called things Jesus never said. Listen to some of these memes. Uh, it doesn't really matter what you do so long as deep down inside you're a good person. Uh, things Jesus never said. No one comes to the Father except through me, but that's my opinion. All other opinions are equally valid. <laughs> Things Jesus never said. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first until I modernized to get to, with the times and change all my teachings so they would be easier to follow than everyone pretty much like me again. <laughs> Things Jesus never said. <laughs> Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you. Now go and do whatever makes you happy. <laughs> Things Jesus never said. Go into all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make disciples, right? And teaching them to obey whatever they like best from what I said. (laughs) 
things Jesus never said. You know, I, I love it. So hopefully that'll help your creative juices start to flow a little bit. You can make them funny. You can make them serious. But we're going to collect them all from the Merriam campus, from the, uh, I almost said Loma Vista. We're not meeting there yet. Uh, but the uh, Shawnee campus, Merriam campus, and here in our Edgerton campus. And we're going to collect all those, and we're going to take those and probably put some of those to a meme based on that picture. So look forward to those on, on social media and stuff. But, but man, some of this stuff, as funny as those things are, honestly, if we're going to be honest, a lot of the uh, Christians and non-Christians alike will approach Jesus on what he said and actually apply some of those things just like that, those things that we laugh about, but they'll approach Jesus as if that's true. They'll say, well, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I don't kill anybody, as long as I don't steal stuff, as long as I don't do that, or, you know, that, that doesn't make me very comfortable. And Jesus is like, um, you know, I, it's, it's actually some serious, wild stuff that that Jesus did. And matter of fact, one of my one of the things that fascinates me about his very first public sermon that he ever preached was it's it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's out of Matthew five, six, and seven. Is that he did not play around like right out of the gate. You know, you most of the time when you're trying to gain an audience, you want to kind of ease into things and then give some harder stuff a little bit a little bit later. And and you get that. But man, this guy didn't play right off the bat. Like he just laid it down and laid it down in front of a lot of people, many of which we know are some of them were folks like Pharisees and scribes, Sadducees, uh, teachers of the law, that he actually said, you've heard it said this, but I'm saying this. Like I, He clarified things that these guys were teaching and helped people understand them in a better better way. And he, man, like it's, it's remarkable, this sermon that he gave. It is mind-blowing, earth-shattering, like totally goes against the things that come naturally to us. Amen? Like it's wild stuff that, uh, that you would never say like this is what should be done because it, it's not really common sense stuff, it, but it makes total sense to God when you see it through God's eyes. When you see the world then see the things and see our lives and see our walk in him, the way he sees it, man, it'll radically transform. And people may not even understand it a lot of times, but man, it'll make sense when, when you look at it the way God looks at it. In addition, God has set for us some great things like as far as following some of these things in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're not going to go through all three chapters, but most of one of them today. But I um, but want to let, let you read those on your own. And we're going to go into the Sermon on the Mount a little deeper over the next few weeks. But one of the, uh, a, a psychiatrist named James T. Fisher back in the 50s actually wrote this about the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I believe the following to be true. If you were to take the sum total of all the authoritative articles ever written by the most qualified of psychologists and psychiatrists on the subject of mental health, if you were to combine them and refine them and remove all the excess words, if you were to have these unadulterated bits of pure scientific knowledge concisely expressed by the most capable of living poets, you would have an awkward and incomplete summation of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And... It would be much less by comparison. For nearly 2,000 years, the Christian world has been holding in its hands the complete answer. Here rests the blueprint for a successful human life with optimum mental health and contentment. Wow. This is, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a, and I don't even think that does the Sermon on the Mount any justice at all. Like it, it is truly mind-numbing when you look at it through the lens of how the world approaches Jesus or how the world even approaches God and how the world even approaches religion or church or anything like that. And when we approach it the way God approaches it, 
man, it'll, it'll, it'll make a huge difference. It'll, it'll transform the way we walk in the Lord. Let's get into the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. And this is right after Jesus had been tempted by, the, by Satan for 40 days. He had uh, chosen his 12 disciples, according to Luke. He had actually uh, prayed all night prior to doing that. And then he started to go on mission with these guys. And he's healing people. He's performing miracles. He's doing uh, great messages and things like he's talking to different people, like one by one by one. And all, these, all of a sudden, these large crowds started following him. And in Matthew 5, it says, when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain or went up, went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, the poor in spirit are, what's that word? Blessed. And this word blessed is not like, man, I just want Jesus, no, I want Jesus just to bless me, man. It's like, a, it, it truly does, it means God knows your name. That's, that's powerful. And so he says, the poor in spirit, not poor in bank account. He didn't say that. He's not talking about money here. He's talking about the matter of the heart. This is why it starts to lay against and go against the common teachings of the day. And it kind of goes against a lot of the common teachings of today, today, today. Like that of the day then and the day now. Like it's, like, it's, like it's counter to things that we're hearing, counter to the things that we think and naturally think. But he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. I had a had a, a prayer with a family this morning that lost their mom, you know, on their way to Utah for the funeral, you know, and then just said, you're not going to believe what we're talking about today. We're talking about the fact that you guys, and they're believers, and they love Jesus. You guys are blessed, man. You guys are in, in mourning right now. And he says, those who mourn are blessed. The gentle are blessed. God knows the name of the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. The pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. The peacemakers, I love this one, because people think it's just a matter of getting people to get along and that kind of thing, and that's important and it's cool, and it's, it's, it's commanded to do that, but ultimately it's making help, helping people be at peace, making peace with God. Peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Listen to this. This is where it gets even stranger, according to the world, but it makes perfect sense in the eyes of God. You are blessed when they insult and persecute and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of, of me. Be glad and rejoice. That's just weird, right? Woohoo! My neighbor thinks I'm a Jesus. Call me a Jesus freak. Bible thumper slammed the door in my face when I gave him those cookies from last week. Well, you know, I kind of I was a little scared. Didn't get there till Thursday. There's a little bit of mold on him, so that could have been part of it. Y'all, we didn't give our cookies out, did we? They're still on our counter. And girl, I'm telling you, should have you should have reminded me. You're supposed to hold me accountable. But um, but listen, hey, that's right. We'll give we'll make more cookies. Anybody got more cookies? Um, sorry. I can't, I can't stop. I've got to go get cookies now. Class dismissed. Um, but, but seriously, man, like it's, it's, it's a matter of us not thinking the way uh, the world thinks. So we want to kind of avoid pain a lot of times. But, but a lot of times when we're, we're facing 
the, the in a, an enemy stronghold and someone that we love, man, like there's going to be some real persecution against us. He says to be glad and rejoice. Yay, all right, they called us names. Yay, they, they won't talk to us now. Yay, uh, I didn't get that promotion at work because of my faith. Yay, it's awesome, right? Because your reward is great in, in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. That's what he tells us. He starts to identify us and give us our identity. The salt is not just seasoning. Salt is preservation in the, in the, in the uh, first century culture. Salt was also used as currency. It was extremely valuable. He, so he's saying you're valuable to the earth. You're the salt of the earth. But the, if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. Why are we the light of the world? Because Jesus is the light. He's in us and we're in him. So we're the light of the world. We're the one that shines in the face of darkness. And darkness don't like that, which is why they tend to persecute and call us false names, all that kind of stuff, right? And we're supposed to be happy, woo, right? You're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before for men, listen to this, so that they may see your good works and give God, give glory to your Father in heaven. We do not do service projects. We do not do, do community events so that people will come up to us and go, man, you guys are awesome. We want people to go, your God is awesome. That's why. And when we start asking questions and start asking, things, why do you guys do this? For the glory of God. We do this. We want you to be loved. We want you to be served. That can, absolutely, man. But it is ultimately not so that people will see us so they'll see God, right? We don't pray at the restaurant so that people will see us praying. They, we pray at restaurants so that God can be glorified, right? It's never about being seen by other people. It's never about a show. It's about seeing, like helping people see God. Because if people see us praying, they may be more prone to ask us about God, right? They may be prone to do those kinds of things. Uh, no one lights a lamp, puts it under a basket, on a lampstand, so that they may say, do, like, in the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now listen to what, so Jesus starts giving us our identity. Now listen to, he starts, he starts clarifying his. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law which is the first five books of the Old Testament, or the prophets, which is the majority of the rest of the Old Testament. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The, uh, I had to ask a clarifying question. What was the last book of the... You know what I should have done in the first service? should have said, hey, you guys know the, the last book of the Old Testament? Somebody would have popped out Malachi. And I, I, I couldn't remember. <laughs> so, the, so from Genesis to Malachi, right? From Genesis to Malachi, it's all pointing to this Messiah that's coming. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all that. It's, it's really wild. So he didn't say, I've had people say to me, man, I'm glad Jesus came along and did away with that Old, New Te- Old Testament stuff, man. That's, whew, that's just some wild stuff, man. We don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. And we don't have to do a lot of that stuff anymore. But Jesus didn't come to, he came to fulfill all that, not to abolish it. It's still an important piece, an important, it's still part of God's, God's word. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands, listen, 
and teaches people to do so. This is where it gets care. We got to be careful because this is why we got to study our scriptures. This is why we got to get into the word and know what it says so we can teach correctly. This is also why I tell people, please, if I teach incorrectly in any way, call me out on it. Show me where it is in the scriptures. Let me know because I want to teach it in the right way. Why? Because people that teach the wrong way will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Who wants to be called least in the kingdom of heaven? Raise your hands. Yay, right? No. No, not me. Okay, me neither. But, everybody say but. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. How many people want to be called great in the kingdom of heaven? Hallelujah, right? Come on. Mate, y'all can do better than that. Y'all be called great in the kingdom of heaven? You can do better than that. Yup, yup, right? No doubt. So here's what, here's what we got. We, like, so, so he's saying, if you do these things and teach others. This is a common theme when it comes to discipleship and everything else. We practice and teach other people. So it's important for us to model the, the, model the, the Christian walk the way and then teach people to do the same. That's discipleship. So he's actually referring, in essence, to discipleship. If we do those things, you'll be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And everybody wants that, right? Come on. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to tell us how that happens next. And here is where Jesus establishes his authority. In front of a bunch of religious guys that called themselves the experts in the religious culture of the day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. Listen to what he says. You've heard it said, and I can imagine Jesus kind of pointing these guys out by these guys, right? Down at the bottom of the mountain. You've heard it said that, said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that's where he establishes himself and his authority. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to Sanhedrin. Whoever says, you moron, will be subject to hellfire. Now, Jesus is not talking about me and my buddy says, man, you're a fool. I'm not talking about it like that, right? You moron. You're not talking like that. We're talking about a matter of the heart that hates somebody. You're a moron. Right? That's the kind of stuff that when Jesus says, if you do those things, if you have this in your heart, it's not a matter of killing, not killing people. It's not, not whether or not you take their actual physical life or not. It is a matter of the heart. And here's where Jesus has us step up our game. Man, it's, and it's powerful. Because all of a sudden, it's no longer about the do's and the don'ts. It's a matter of the heart and the walk and the mindset that, that looks at the world the way Jesus looks at it, and we walk accordingly. And I've got one of the greatest stories to tell you about how this actually happened in our church a couple of years back. If you, and she given me permission. She's given me permission. Hopefully that permission did not expire a couple of years ago. But a couple of years ago, she said, absolutely tell the story because it's, it's wonderful. The transformation that happened in uh, one of our sister's lives named Nancy Hall. Some of you guys remember Nancy. She was in her 70s. She was one of the original founding members of the church, that kind of thing, or, or New City Church. She was with the original crew when, when, that, when uh, Edgerton Southern Baptist gave their church to New City to, to do what we've 
what God has done has been amazing, but then she's been able to witness and see a lot of that. But part of the reason why um, some of that has happened is, is examples like this. And I could give you examples after examples of things like that. But man, this was a special one because Nancy in her 70s had been going to church since she was a fetus. I mean, she had been literally born into the church and had grown up in church. She was in nursery. She was in Sunday school. She even taught some classes and things like that. I mean, it's just a, an amazing story. And a lady in her 70s being discipled by uh, some punk in his 40s is not a normal thing, but this is what, how we started our church, right? Only God can make those things happen, right? Well, out of the, one of our discipleship meetings, man, she... Uh, she just popped off something, man, that, that struck us, and we had to go into it a little bit. But she said, you know, I'm really, really angry at my daughter-in-law. And she, and she even said, sometimes I hate her. And she started giving all the reasons why she did. And she had some legitimate ones, okay? I mean, it's just, we're going to be honest. Like anybody can say, okay, I, I see why you feel that way. But here's the thing. When you look at those things through God's eyes, it makes you do different things. It makes you approach life differently. It makes you approach your sin differently. Because here's what Jesus said. You've heard it said that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. If you have this in your heart, if you have this stuff in your heart, guys, it is, as, it is as wrong as going and taking a knife to somebody and killing them and taking their physical life. Guys, I know that sounds weird, but this is the way Jesus sees it. And so when we talked about this, we talked her through this. And so we asked her, why do you feel this way? And why is this, why is this such, a, such an angry thing for you? And why do you, and I'm using your words, Nancy, why do you, why do you hate her? And how does God feel about that? And so she kind of walked through what Jesus said about murder and hate. And she looked at this passage I just read you. And man, she just, like it shocked her because she'd never called herself out this way. But she said, I'm a murderer. And it was like, an, oh no, what have I done? It was a legitimate, I have, I have murdered my daughter-in-law. She saw it the way Jesus sees it for the very first time. See, unfortunately, what has happened, and she even got a little angry about this because why has no one ever had me go through something like this? I've been in church for 70 years and I've never had to go through anything like this. Like what people will do is they'll put their arm around Nancy and they'll say, Nancy, we're gonna pray for you, sister. All right, we're gonna pray for you and make sure that you, 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 you don't get angry and everything like that. Like we're, gonna, we're gonna keep praying. We're gonna put you on our prayer list. Nothing wrong with praying for Nancy, but when we actually show Nancy and help Nancy see what, what she has done, the way Jesus has called it out, and she'll act accordingly in a whole lot different way than just saying, I'm sorry, you're mad. Let's pray for you. Amen? We actually take nothing wrong with prayer, nothing wrong with study, nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But when we actually help people go into a life of obedience and call out sin in their lives the way they've called it out, the way Jesus calls it out, and help them to see it, man, it radically transforms how people walk with the Lord. And so... When she got confronted with this, you know, in discipleship, we actually have people make plans. Like, this is on you. You've got to deal with this sin in your life. So she actually 
dealt with this. In the first plan, she said, well, I'm going to invite her to church. I said, well, okay, did that work? Did you ever do that before? Yeah, did it work? No. So inviting her to church don't work. We tried that. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, right? So she says, well, since I'm the one that's guilty and I'm the one that's a murderer, I guess I need to apologize to her. <laughs> Who does that, right? So here's what she did. She goes, I'm going to take, I'm going to take my daughter-in-law to her favorite place, Starbucks. I'm going to take her to my, her favorite place. I'm going to get her her favorite drink, some probably some frou-frou drink with whipped cream and drizzle. Oh, I don't know, whatever. I get them too sometimes. But it was definitely a couple of girly drinks got, got drank that day, right? And so Nancy takes her to the Starbucks, gets her her favorite drink, buys her her favorite drink, and says, I apologize to you for how I felt about you. And she told her why. She even told her. Jesus confronted her in her sin. And she goes, because of that, she goes, I owe you an ex- a big, huge apology for how I've treated you because I'm, I'm guilty of murder here. Like, that's crazy. Who does that? Right? Except when you're going to walk in the ways of the Lord and teach people to do the same. Wow. And so she does that. She goes into Starbucks. She apologizes to a woman who has no right to be apologized to from the world's standpoint. But from God's standpoint, he says, she's guilty of murder. You got to make that right. And she does it. Amen? So you know girls, they'll sit there for a couple hours crying, reconciled. They reconciled. Like it's crazy. She said, I'm sorry too. Oh my gosh, I feel so much better. You know, incredible stuff, right? Dudes, if we're in that, hey, sorry, man. Want to go watch the game? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I get it, you know. But girls, man, they sat there for two hours crying, drinking their lattes, right? It's cool, whatever. Amen, exactly right. You work at that, what is it, Kansas City Coffee? Kansas City Coffee, right downtown Olathe, man. Right on. Good, good spot. <laughs> but here's the, the, most, the greatest part of the story. As difficult as that was for Nancy, as out of the natural realm of anything you could ever think of for Nancy, three weeks later, her daughter-in-law gets baptized. And you know why? She said, if Jesus can do that for my grandmother after I felt the way I felt about her and the way she's felt about me, and Jesus could do that. It took a lot of guts for Nancy to do that, right? That's years and years of anger and bitterness fell away in a couple hours. And she said, if Jesus could do that for her, her, I need to know Jesus. I need to know what this is all about. And she was baptized. Man. That's crazy. That's evangelism. It's not about going to people. I mean, sometimes you can cold call folks and say, you know, Jesus want to go to heaven now. Yeah, cool, awesome. But many times it's modeling for others the walk, the way we're supposed to walk with him in bravery and courage and putting ourselves like, like treating others truly as, as better than ourselves and being quick to apologize and quick to make things right. And out of that comes
comes salvation. And out of that comes a, comes a walk. And you know, it, the craziest thing in the world, Nancy said, you know, for the first time in a long time, I'm sleeping really, really well. The, the sin just lifts off. Sometimes it's sin that you don't even know is there. It's just common sense to be angry the way she treats me and my son and their children. But when you see it the way God sees it, it will radically transform how you walk and how you deal with it. You'll make it right. You'll correct it. You'll move on. Because there'll be another one coming, right? Amen. And then he goes on to say, Jesus does, so if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother, then come and offer your gift. And I know that Paul had written to the church about taking communion, which we're going to offer communion together today. But he says, don't do this in an unworthy manner. He talks all kinds of things about that. So we're going to do two things. We're going to have communion and we're going to have an offer. For both of these, guys, I want you to, to get some things straight before you do either one. And rest here and let the, let the Lord just wash over you if you need to. We'll have communion. We'll have our offering. But these are things that, that are especially holy and special... Um, say ceremonial, but, but have special meaning in the word of God. In fact, Jesus even said, don't, don't even leave your gift. Leave it in front of the altar. Go make it right. I actually had to do that a few years back at a church that I was in as a youth pastor. I had to tell the, we, we did communion, and I had to tell my pastor at the time, I said, I, I gotta go. I can't stay. I got got in a fight with a brother of mine. He, he, had, he was a new Christian. I had actually baptized him. We got in a fight at work. Pretty big one. On Friday, of course. Saturday comes around. Sunday goes around and I'm faced with doing communion in sin or actually going and making it right. I had to go make it right. And we did. And Monday was a lot cooler, you know. But got to make it right with somebody. Make it right before you take communion. And if it's going to take a couple of days to go do that, man, go do that. I'll meet you back here Tuesday and we can do communion then if that's cool. I promise you that. We'll, we'll schedule this week. But make that right. Same thing with the offering that we're going to have in a few minutes as well. So let me, let me pray for that. Pray for the communion first. And we'll sit and rest. Let the Lord wash over us and then we'll do our offering after. So, Father, we love you. Uh, not only, and we say that, Lord, but you have said, if you love me, you'll, you'll obey me. And so, Lord, may we step into obedience for some of us for the first time in a long time. With anger or addiction or, or vices of some kind that we are excusing away, Lord, may we see may we see it the way you see it. May may we no longer be shackled by culture or common sense or what the world has to say or even what the Southern Baptist Convention has to say. 
as good as that is, Lord, it has nothing like it, it is. It pales in comparison to your word and your command. May we see our sin and may we see what we need to reconcile, where we need to take responsibility. May we see it the way you see it and deal with it accordingly. If it's murder, it's murder. If it's adultery, it's adultery. If it's lust, it's lust. Lord, whatever it is, whatever it is that is holding us back from fellowship with you, Lord, may we deal with it and see it the way you see it. And as we take communion together, Lord, may we deal with those things first, take communion together, then our offering together in your glory. We thank you in your son's name. Thank you.